Dead men tell no tales. Fifty men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show. Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartist.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Come on down and thanks for joining us for Minute 8 of Dead Man's Chest. You're the next contestant on The Black Pearl Show. That's because you made fun of me the other day for being an announcer. Well, you sounded like one. Did I sound like one there? Yeah. Well, there you go. That's all that matters then. Didn't know we were having a game show, though. We are. What's the first question? (laughs) Have you even seen this movie? And the answer would be no. Survey says no. No. In the previous minute, we have a floater. Those health-conscious public safety experts at the Turkish prison have found an ecological way to dispose of bodies without contaminating those oh-so-dark Mediterranean waters. First, let's pile those corpses in the corner and wait until they are just a matter of bones. Oh, the bouquet. It's like a punch to the olfactory nerves. The eye-plucking raven takes one for the team thanks to a well-placed shot by the inimitable Captain Jack Sparrow. The casket captain relieves his skeleton compadre of his leg and manages to paddle his way to the Black Pearl. Minute 8 begins with Jack climbing aboard the Black Pearl, greeted by Gibbs, Cotton, and Cotton's parrot, the middle of which proceeds to place a jacket over Jack's shoulders. Gibbs asks, You've got what you went in for then. The response, a wave of a rolled cloth. The minute ends with Jack yelling, what did the bird say? Actually, he said it more forcefully. Yeah. Like, what the hell did the bird say? As he cocks and aims his pistol at the honest macaw. Leech jumps in with, don't blame the bird. Show us what is on that cloth there. All of a sudden, the cursed Aztec Jack the monkey repels down the rope, sparking Jack the captain to aim and fire. Ah, misfire. His flintlock. The monkey reaches for the cloth and our minute ends. We are like right on to the show today. There's no messing around. It's like we got stuff to do. <laughs> and we do. We do. And it's the holiday season, so tis the season ho, to ho, be merry. Unless you're listening to this not in the holiday season, then it's uh, pick your holiday. Happy holiday. We'll just say that because it could be any of the holidays throughout <laughs> the year. But there really is only one appropriate place to start with this minute. Do you know what that is? The skeleton leg? The skeleton leg? What? The one Gibbs holding? And then he that's hands why you to wanna, Cotton. That's why you want to... Gibbs is examining it, and then he hands it to Cotton, and the Cotton holds it, and he carries it with him. Doesn't throw it in the drink! <laughs> he carries the sucker with him. It's a present from Gibbs. Yeah! You don't throw presents overboard, especially during the holiday season. You never look a gift horse in the mouth, even if it's a skeleton leg. <laughs> but that's really, that's where you thought it should start. It's the beginning of the minute. That might be the beginning of the minute, but there really is, like I said, only one place. And that must be Jack the Monkey. It's Jack the freaking Monkey. 
The Aztec Cursed Monkey from Curse of the Black Pearl. Perhaps you remember it's that movie. It's the end of the minute. I know, but what the hell? He's made his way from Isla de Muerta, as we saw in the post credit scene, and is now hanging out on the Black Pearl again. No wonder the Black Pearl is all encased in fog. Exactly. That's my answer. And how dare you steal my thoughts? I mean, is there a tie that binds the monkey, the curse, and the Black Pearl together? Jack didn't like Jack. And that goes any way you want to look at it. Jack the monkey, Jack the captain. Mind you, this relationship is only as old as Curse of the Black Pearl for us anyways. For the movie watchers. So just perhaps there is like this evolution of the relationship that we can talk about later on in the movie or the franchise. But for now, all we know is they don't like each other. And they apparently don't like each other still, given the reaction. Well, he kind of scared everybody. Well, he did scare. I mean, come on. Even a regular monkey jumping down like that out of nowhere would scare you. Let alone a skeletonized one. That's just going to scare the bejesus out of you. Even you know that there's a skeleton monkey running aboard. It still jumps out in front of you. you. It's like, Jesus, why'd you do that? How many times do we have to tell you, don't jump out in front of people? Then we have to wash their shorts. (laughs) Nobody wants to have to wash their shorts right now. Then you got to hang them overboard and stuff. But I don't know if there's this link between the monkey and the Curse of the Black Pearl. I mean, like you said, does this explain why there was fog around the ship in the last couple of minutes? It does. Jack, the monkey's on board and he's cursed. Cursed monkey. So natural fog or unnatural fog? What's your vote? It's unnatural. It's always a wise choice to go with the unnatural fog, especially with Gibbs here. My vote, too, is it's a symptom of the curse. Because we did get the connection with the moon, Jack, the skeleton in the coffin, and, of course, the fog. So all the elements from the first movie. We talked about it yesterday. Doesn't everybody remember this? I mean, come on. Plus, I'd like to think that there's a piece of the curse that's still attached to the ship since a crew member is still cursed. The monkey. He's on board. He's still cursed. Right. Right? What'd the monkey do with the medallion, though? Is it on the ship? What did he do with it? He probably hid it somewhere in his little cubby hole on the ship. So you're just assuming he has a cubby hole. Of course he's got a cubby hole. He probably all has all kinds of stuff in there. There's probably so like, like a socks. And socks? <laughs> what? what is that? That's the first thing you think of. Socks for monkeys? Like a, a sock monkey? Is that why you said no, that? No, he probably... You said that because no. a word association is a sock monkey. No, he probably stole socks from the the crew and hid them in his little cubby hole. I, I don't understand why you went to socks. Is this like <laughs> Dobby? You got to give him a sock and then he's free from the curse? I don't know why I went to socks. Yeah, I don't either. It's really bizarre, actually, because this monkey oh, would clearly know like shiny metal things. And you're going with the the always impressive treasure of, I hope he, hope he hid some socks around the boat. Actually, I was kind of going towards what ferrets would hide. I don't know and why. Ferrets I would hide socks? Way. I mean, yeah, they steal socks. They steal all your stuff. Let me stuff. guess. Is this, I know they steal all your stuff, but you went with socks. So is this, is this your, perusing a facebook coming out is this your ex facebook expertise coming out that ferrets and monkeys steal socks on a regular basis and so now you're no i don't see ferrets and monkeys on facebook i only see dogs and kitties (laughs) maybe a horse here and there it's just weird that you came up with sock though i don't know what to say about that it's just it's like some weird association we'd have to get you looked at i don't know why it's like the ink blotches you know like a warshak test Okay, if I said he stole gold coins and hid them, would that yeah, be better? that would be better, actually. Because I don't know what the monkey's doing with socks unless he's putting the coins in the sock. There you and go. he has like a little treasure bag. There you go. For the holiday season, a little Santa bag. There you go. He's got it pinned to the mantle. 
not a stock. Well, okay, sock stocking, yeah, but it's not. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's not like his stocking, and this just seems to be going off the rails because you threw out your crazy weird association thing. I don't know. It's interesting that Gibbs drops a clue as to the current status of the island, though, in the Aztec treasure. Did you catch that at all? The island and the treasure being reclaimed by the sea? Exactly. What with the Isla de Muerta going all pear-shaped, reclaimed by the sea, and the treasure with it. That's the exact quote. So sometime later, the entire island was swallowed into the sea, taking all the treasure along with it, effectively vanishing from the face of the earth. The monkey's curse for the rest of its life. Well, that's... That's For eternity. I don't know about that. I've read some things. Oh, really? Yeah. So this is not only backed up by Gibbs saying this thing here with the crew and they're all shaking their heads like, yeah, the island disappeared. So we obviously know that they must have went back to the island. But in the Pirates of the Caribbean, the Legend of Jack Sparrow, which is a video game, a video game of old, it has an interesting storyline to this game because... I'm not going to get into the whole thing because we're not going to necessarily like talk about the entire video game and break it down. This isn't video game minute by minute, however that would work. Video games by minute, where you break down the video games one blimey minute at a time. No, but this game ends with Jack telling a story to an executioner. So apparently he's been captured and is going to be executed, much okay. like the end of Curse of the yeah. Black Pearl. And he's telling this story to the executioner about fighting undead pirates, his former crew on the Black Pearl. He is captured and marooned on Rum Island with Elizabeth. So there's some parallels. Rum Runner's Island, Rum Island here. And then he was also there with Elizabeth. But here he uncovers a treasure chest on this Rum Island, which is cursed. And then he and Elizabeth leave the island, according to the legend, with turtles strapped to their feet. This game took a lot of the elements from Curse of the Black Pearl. Yeah. And then kind of wound their own story around with it. But this, the interesting part here is because the story culminates with this climax of the Curse of the Black Pearl movie. So it's kind of like a precursor to it. And then a little bit after that. But as Jack defeats Barbosa and ends the curse of Cortez's treasure, the executioner, Alberto Chavez, claims that Jack's story was interesting and the people will tell it to their grandchildren. Yet he's still resolved to want to hang the pirates. Right. But they are rescued just in the nick of time by Elizabeth Swan, and they make a hasty escape. So at some point then, after becoming captain of the Black Pearl once again, Jack Sparrow's crew has visited the island to see if they could get the treasure. Right. So they haven't learned their lesson. Well, maybe it wasn't the treasure in the... Well, not necessarily the piece of bait, but there's a whole lot of other gold there. Yeah. How could you want to bypass that up? Well, why couldn't you take that with you? I'd chance it and go back there and try to get that treasure. Yeah. So As long as you don't touch the pieces of eight, you're okay. The Aztec gold. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. So yeah, but it's still, he's in a way, he is toying with craziness, so. It is a cursed island. Yeah, but it's the I Aztec know they're pirates. gold it, I know, I know that, but there's a lot of bad juju associated with this. I mean, come on. You have to admit that. I'm not saying I wouldn't take that risk, but I'm saying there's, you know that there's... A hefty amount of risk going into this. This isn't just any old treasure just waiting to be snatched up by pirates. But anyways, they go back to this island and the island was taken by the sea. So there's no such luck with the treasure. But only Barbosa's monkey Jack survived the ordeal and then found itself aboard the Black Pearl again. So poor little Jack the monkey here must have been floating freaking around the ocean. Right? Is he just hanging out in the ocean here? Able to hop on board? What's going on here? The ocean is no place for a monkey. We know that. Monkeys and oceans don't go well together. 
even a cursed monkey. So I guess it would be better to be with Captain Jack than floating around the ocean. But kind of think that he grabbed the gold before they all left the island in Curse of the Black Pearl. So, but how come you didn't see Jack the monkey on the Black Pearl? He was at probably the end hiding the- in his cubby hole. So you're still saying, see, that's what I'm saying. Okay, so either he got on board then before they left, he swam back out there, and then he swam back before they took off. Or got there somewhere. Or they go back there, and this little monkey is, he's like on the very tip of the, the island that's left. He's like, eh, save me. And then he jumps back on board, because we didn't see him in Curse of the Black Pearl, but now we see him again. So somehow, somewhere, he is now back on board. Unless, unless the monkey lost the medallion during the sinking of the island then he's going to be cursed for the rest of his life or is he because there is some stuff that people are hypothesizing that with the treasure and with the island disappearing that maybe that broke the curse yeah, but, but the, it's not it's not in any canon or anything these are hypotheses now floating around but jack's so skeleton jack the monkey that's true i don't know if that wears off eventually okay this is why it's theories there's wearing off happening I didn't say I endorsed this. I'm just telling you what I've read, you know, during the preparation of the show. Whatever you bring to the show, you believe in. And that's not how it works. God. If we could try and salvage some of this. Monkey is back on board somehow and the island sink. And what this kind of leads me to some observations. And I'll start with really this first one with the crew because that's kind of the whole point of this. Uh, maybe I'll wait for a second for the crew because I have some other stuff that I thought was pretty cool that I want to bring to about that. So I'll just get into some observations. These are it's my my famous list again. So my bullet point list. Thank you for coming to the seminar. The gunshot. So the monkey drops and Jack aims and cocks and really wants to and tries to blast the monkey. Yes. Obviously, we know that there's a hatred between Jack and the monkey or just pure fright. We yes. know that he doesn't like the monkey. Right. But his first reaction when it pops down, like I said, is for him to shoot it. But that's not the problem here. If I was a crew member, I'd be pissed off. He shoots that gun point blank at the faces of the crew standing right right there. (laughs) I mean, thank God for the misfire because somebody would have a hole in their face. Well, I think Jack's a little kooky and doesn't think everything completely through. Well, of course not. And he doesn't care if these guys (laughs) bite the dust. Sure, the monkey was in his sights, but... That ball will go right through that cursed little monkey skull, and then you have a dead pirate crewman. Yeah. That's not good. If if not only one. Yeah, especially because they're a little bit peeved off anyways. Yes. Nobody thinks that this is a bad move, though. That's the problem. They're still only concerned about the treasure. Well, it wasn't going to hit me. <laughs> it's going to hit Billy next to me. Because I always go to Billy as a name. It's going to hit Billy. So that's all right. It wasn't me. I mean, are they thanking the Aztec gods for the misfire at this point? I mean, this was almost like a public safety or public service announcement or something like that. It's about not pointing loaded guns at people. Yeah, it's like they acted like, oh, okay, it didn't hit anybody. We're okay. Let's go along. Yeah, don't do it. Even if it's a skeleton monkey harassing you out there, (laughs) nobody pointing guns at each other. But on board this ship, thank God there's no OSHA there because they just uh, can skedaddle by that. Like nothing ever happened. Well, it didn't happen, so... You know, uh, we don't have anything bad to say about it. Exactly. And, you know, Jack would have come up with something like, no, I knew that that was going to misfire. I'm just saying bad news all around to shoot that closely to your crewmen. (laughs) Yeah. Just not a good idea. Another point on my list of observations is the mast of the Black Pearl that we see right behind them here. 
I'm sorry, but it looks more like weathered cement or plastic than it does wood. Did you really look at it? You're gritting your teeth. How dare you? You forgot. Oh, you forgot. Scrutinize and analyze part. That's that's what you forgot. I, I was watching Cotton Parrot's dance. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> he was dancing of course back you there. Were. Of course you were, because your priorities are animals, just as we established with dogs, cats, and horses, and goats, and monkeys, and ferrets on Facebook. Did you see him dancing? I saw him dancing a little, but that wasn't where my focus was. So I oh, guess I didn't I scrutinize and parrot. analyze enough. And then I was concerned about Cotton grabbing the carrot parrot's face. <laughs> You don't grab birds like that? No, they'll bite me. No, you can grab them. That's, it's good. They're, they like it. It's attention. As long as you're not doing it mean-like. My birds will bite me. Well, yeah, they, they don't like that. But other birds do. <laughs> but really, if you look at this, it does look like weathered cement or plastic than it does wood. I mean, it seems between the two movies, the mast of the pearl went from being wood and having this wood texture and grain to, uh, this is more... Uh, Fabrication. Maybe somebody Plastic, mopped foam it. foam that they've uh, sanded and made into Wait, a mess. Maybe they've mopped it with too much tar. So there's like a giant buildup on it? Yeah. They don't clean the pearl like you should they clean They don't clean the pearl like they should. Or ship. They should clean it yeah. a lot better, especially it, since Jack. I mean, he was really concerned about them blowing holes in the ship. And so you think that he'd take a little bit yeah, more care of this They don't thing. clean the pearl. I'm just saying, you can look at it. It just doesn't look quite right. But it's not, it's not like a, a deal breaker. It's not like I'm going home right now. We'll still talk about it, I guess. I'll be a little irritated, but I'll still talk about it. <laughs> going pear, or going pear-shaped, I should say. I mean, have you heard, heard this phrase before? No. Besides a going woman. Going pear-shaped? Huh? Besides a woman being pear-shaped. We're not talking about body size and shape oh. here. What the heck is wrong with you? <laughs> As the director of the Pirate Word of the Week, you think you would have some inside information on this kind of stuff. But guess what? You don't, do you? Just like you said, I don't have it. Pirate word of the week, master over there. I'm supposed to know all you're the pirate You're supposed to know words? everything. Yeah, you're supposed to know everything. Wow. It's actually a pirate word. It appears this expression, usually preceded by to go or to turn, is chiefly British and originally a Royal Air Force slang. And it means to go badly wrong, to go awry. And the dictionary offers no real etymological explanation as to why the metaphor would have like had this meaning. To go pear-shaped. But Urban Dictionary adds pear-shaped is, a, again, a Royal Air Force euphemism for, dare I say, tits up. Which is itself a euphemism, obviously, for dead. Also, belly up. Depending on uh, who's the one who's dead. Unless they're died with their back down. Or they're buried with their back down. Or up. However that would go. I obviously need an anatomy lesson because I don't know where these <laughs> things are located on a woman. Dang it! <laughs> It's like they're somewhere around there. I don't know. On the front, on the back, who knows? So yeah, a euphemism. You think that I'd be right up my alley, and yet you I just think. I just destroyed this whole thing. Yeah, you did. Dang it. And that was right there, and it wasn't even supposed to be a euphemism. It's talking about it, and then I screwed the whole thing up. Screwed the pooch on that one. But it also, the Urban Dictionary again, indicates that the origin is unclear. But one theory says that the Royal Air Force slang relating to the difficulty of performing aerobatic loops, which were described as pear-shaped if it was executed imperfectly. So if you're doing a loop and you have the the contrails that are left over, yeah. that you know it would end up looking more like a pear as opposed to a loop. And so maybe that's where it came from. But nobody knows. But it was something that actually the first, I think, print 
that they have recorded of it was in 1983 and it was talking about Royal Air Force and the Air Force and stuff like that. So hmm. there you go. Pear-shaped. So going pear-shaped. Gibbs coined a phrase. Gibbs apparently coined a phrase here. So yeah. Wow. So He's... it's when the the ship was to make a turn when they were club hauling and it didn't quite go right and it made like a giant pear as opposed to a nice kind of half circle thing. Yes. So there you go. And this is where I really wanted to go in the first place. And this was about the crew because it appears that the crew really are tired of Jack's lack of delivering treasure. I think they've just had a very rough year. The Royal Navy's chasing them all over the Atlantic. Norrington, I presume? I don't know. <gasps> and then Spoiler. they've dealt with a hurricane, you know, and their treasure's all been sunk. Well, that would be sad it's because been a that rough was a year. lot of treasure in there. Yeah. But this is the same problem he had in the beginning to a point. I mean, there's kind of a mutinous crew stirrings here going on. They're getting a little feisty. This is not going to be a Barbosa thing again, I hope. Well, I think Jack is just more uh, fly-by-the-seat-of-his-pants type of man. Whereas everybody else is more tangible. They need that stuff in hand. Jack's all, it'll come. It'll be here. We'll get some food somehow. I think he's food or treasure. Doesn't matter. But I think he's more about the adventure and being a pirate than he is about... The silver and gold, mate. Yeah. Silver and gold. Not silver. Silver and gold. Not all treasure is silver and gold. That's what I was quoting. Not Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which is oddly appropriate for this time of year. But he does need to start thinking about pirate action and making sure they find some actual gold. I mean, shiny stuff, as Gibbs calls it. But this is setting up to be like this reoccurring theme for the entire franchise, as we've seen in the latest installment with Dead Men Tell No Tales. The same problem was going on there. Yeah. We'll yeah. talk about it when we get there. Jack, I'm starting to wonder about his ability to ring in treasure. He's not somebody, you, if you're looking for a pirate, if you're looking for a pirate to be a pirate and just have the pirate action, okay, he's good. If you're looking for, like I said, silver and gold, you might not want to hitch your wagon to this guy. Well, like we said in the Curse of Black Pearl, Jack's treasure is the Black Pearl. That's true. That's what we said. So that is his treasure. So he's not really concerned about the other stuff. Right. Not as much. Like I said, I think he's more I mean, in love the, with the adventure. The shiny stuff's all good and well, but... Well, they spend it anyways right away. Right. And he can get away with just getting things anyway. So it's not like he necessarily needs it. Exactly. Although in Curse of the... Or in Dead Men Tell No Tales, there's a different story there. Oh, we'll have to get to that when we come there. That'll be a weird full circle when we come back to Dead Man's Chesta. Make those comparisons and parallels. I actually have some names for the Motley crew. If Well, we can call them the Motley crew. They're like a reinvigorated or reinforced Motley crew. But I have the names for the three that really kind of in the front and center for this particular Cotton minute. Gibbs and No, not Jack. Cotton Gibbs. The, they're like a higher tier Motley crew. Then you have like the secondary tier. Okay? Yes. So I'm talking secondary tier stuff. We all know the Cotton and Gibbs. They're pirate famous. We're talking about... The not-so-pirate famous. So we... And we basically have what is amounts to like a Star Trek smorgasbord thing going on here. And the moral to this tale is that pirates are part of every culture. So yay for diversity and piracy, which is good. Ho Kwan was a Chinese pirate. So Ho Kwan is sitting in this front lineup here. He is played by none other than Ho Kwan. <laughs> Ho Kwan Tsi. <laughs> they were really creative with his name. Ho Kwan... 
really doesn't have a bad list of acting credits to his name. And most of those are supporting roles like we see with Dead Man's Chest. And just maybe a rudimentary teaser for season three, everybody out there. He just might make a return to At World's End as a different character. No spoilers, though. Oh, really? Yeah. He worked himself up the ladder a little? He did. He was able to come back. And then we have Leech. He's our main crew member here that's doing all the talking. The front guy? Yeah, he's our Indian pirate. And he's portrayed by San Shella. Like Ho Kwan, credits here and there and mostly supporting parts. He was in another pirate movie, though, actually called Captain Phillips. Which is a modern take without the supernatural elements, if you recall. It's more Somali pirate action there. Leech is described as deceitful, an opportunist, duplicitous, and loose-lipped. That's his trait. So it's, oh, hey, everybody out there. If you're looking for those all-time fine qualities that you want to put on your resume, I just gave loose-lipped. you a list. Look, <laughs> look no further. Duplicitous, loose-lipped, opportunist, and deceitful. Those are all good things to put on your yep. resume. So if you're looking for that, go for it. Let them know where you found it. Just give us a shout-out when you're talking to your potential employer. <laughs> then we have LeJohn. And LeJohn, oh, LeJohn. He reprises his role from Curse of the Black Pearl and is of African descent. And I say that, like this Ola John thing, because his acting resume is rather decent with parts here and there. But but really the most noticeable thing for me are all his characters' names that he's had on his credits. So here's a sample of what LeJohn is up to in his other shows. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Because I don't know if you're ready for this. Mustard Face. Mustard Face. Yeah, that's one. Hipster. Crazy Afro Guy. Now we're talking. Now these are serious parts, folks. Call Mate. Crazy man on train. Starting to see a little crazy symbolism or uh, parallels there. Hornet. David the dancer. Now see, we're getting refined. Dumpster diver. Ah, dumpster diver. Always a good moniker if you're looking for a <laughs> nickname. Nostradamus of New York. That's classy. Yes. Cool Afro guy. <laughs> Now we're getting to crazy some, afro afro guy, cool afro yeah, guy. Yeah, huh? he can he he can play a variety of roles from crazy to somebody who's calm and collected. So it's good for him. He has a lot of range with his acting. Bernard lots of pops a crow. I don't even know what that is. Henchman always good to be a henchman in some movie. Yes, Mad LeJohn. So that he, they just decided, hey, we like your name, but we'll throw Mad in front of him and call it there. Eccentric billionaire. Nothing wrong with that. Nope. Something we all strive for. White chocolate. Okay. There you go. Sea Whip. Alfred the Bum. He likes the bum rolls, huh? Yeah, he does. Open Mic Thug. Wow. <laughs> it's not just the thug. He's the one that was at Open Mic Night, and then he became a thug. Black Blackbeard. And I didn't stutter. Yes. Black Blackbeard. <laughs> really descriptive there. Might be a tinge racist. I don't know. I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> I'm just saying. Couldn't he just be Blackbeard? Cheese. Cheese. Yeah. He played cheese. Is that from Mac and Cheese? <laughs> Not Mac and Cheese. Uh, obscure Friends reference. Thank you for that. <laughs> but the one we have to end on, and because really it was just at the end of my list and there was no reason for it. Otherwise, I would have ended on something that was a bit cooler, like a uh, cool Afro guy or something, dumpster diver. But the one we'll end on is New Homie. New Homie. New Homie. Ah, hey. LeJohn, I bow to your character name. Yeah. So, yeah, those are a few things that uh, LeJohn has been up to. Oh, LeJohn. And that is, by the way, his real name. LeJohn. LeJohn. Speaking of pirates, are you up for a bit of history? Like, real pirate action, not cool Afro pirate action. 
Okay. Isla de Muerta, which we all know. Yeah. Isla de Muerto, not so much. But it's close enough, and there's a link to pirates that I dug up and I thought I would share. And all of this is about treasure, since we are talking about treasure this episode. Apparently, tying shipwreck coins to actual pirates is pretty rare. Not like, you know, because there's treasure finds and ships that are recovered that, you know, they find treasure on. Yeah. But ones that are actual linked to pirates can be a bit more difficult just because they were stealing treasure from other things. Okay. In other countries. So it's not like, oh, this is a pirate coin. Somebody could just be giving you a, a load of S because they're making stuff up to sell you a coin. Like, oh, no, this was Blackbeard's coin. It's a pirate yeah. coin. Well, how do you know? You know, right. kind of thing. So it's pretty rare. But most treasure galleons sank due to hurricanes, poor navigation, or a lack of upkeep and all these kinds of things. So that's why. You know, it's not just that they were being sunk by pirates, too. The pirate ship Wida sank in 1717 and was discovered by Barry Clifford in 1984, and it's the only documented pirate ship to ever be discovered. Huh. But the treasure of Isla de Muerto, the treasure of Dead Man's Island, is an interesting exception, for her cache of glittering treasure went to the bottom because of, can you guess? Pirates! This ship that we're going to say, the treasure of Dead Man's Island, was sank because of pirates. They know this for a fact. For unknown reasons, perhaps because her mint shipment was late, Consolacion was the name of the ship, began her solitary voyage up the west coast of South America where she was to land at a present-day Panama. It was there her precious treasure would be loaded onto a mule train for the overland transport to the Atlantic, Cuba, and then home to Spain, okay? Okay. But Consolacion, alone and unprotected as it's making its way up, would never actually make it to its destination. Spied by Bartholomew Sharp, who was a British pirate sailing the seas off Ecuador, where Spanish ships would stop to get re or provisions and, you know, fuel, water, all that right. kind of stuff. Not like gas fuel, but fuel yeah. for themselves. And maybe fuel for their whatever. But he was in search of this, like, a rich prize, something he could really sink his teeth into. And... He came across the Consolacion and pursued it. And this heavy and treasure-laden, which was probably trying to make it to safety at the Spanish settlement in Ecuador is what they think. But Consolacion struck a reef off Santa Clara Island. When the passengers abandoned the foundering ship, the crew set fire to her in an attempt to keep the pirates from claiming the treasure. Huh. Legend says that the pirates were so enraged at this, like, what in the holy hell? You guys are burning the damn ship? How dare you? Because they're offended now. Yeah. They're offended with pirates. Like, hey, you guys wrecked it. Now it's ours. But no, they got offended. And they were so enraged that they took revenge on the crew before they could reach the safety of the island. And thus the island was nicknamed Dead Man's Island. Huh. Isla de Muerto. What seems a more probable explanation is that from the sea, Santa Clara Island looks like a dead man lying on her back under a shroud, too. So that's another thing that they maybe think of is where the name came from. And navigators of the time called it El Muerto. In any event, Sharp and his men tried in vain to recover the treasure and failed to pocket a single piece of eight. Wow, or pieces really? of eight. Ironically, later Spanish attempts also failed, and so Consolacion's treasure was basically undisturbed at the bottom of the sea until modern-day treasure salvers first began bringing pieces of eight to the surface in 1997. Did they have to give this pieces of eight up? I don't know. I think that they actually got it because I got some of this information from a place that was, you know, like a museum. And so they had some of the stuff yeah. and then they was also, they were also selling some of the gold. So they did get to keep it. If they had to pay to keep some it. to Spain, that I don't know. And that's something that always bugs the hell out of me. When you have 
300, 400 year old shipwrecks and then you're supposed to turn that over. Come on, get the hell out of here. Ridiculous. And that I say because if I ever happen upon a treasure, I want to be able to keep it. Blasphemy. Exactly, blasphemy. And the moral to that story is, if this happened, if you find a treasure, just hide it. Don't ever say anything to anyone. Laundering. <coughs> Launder. <coughs> Launder the uh, your, your clothes. Not the gold by any means. Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean Minute does not endorse money laundering or any other illegal activities that could bring the treasury onto you or the government. There. Is that sufficient? Yeah. There we go. That's all I got. I'm afraid now. I think we should probably unplug and then maybe uh, (laughs) check our house for bugs after that. Make sure we're not being spied on. Did you have anything uh, that you wanted to talk about? Just the speck of honest pirating. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I completely forgot to mention that. Damn it. (laughs) That is a great line. Yes. Because it, it, it just really comes back to how they think of themselves. They're not bad people. No. This is an honest living that they're making, and they just want to get back to doing something, uh, their day job. They're just pirate. They're just treasure hunters. Yeah. That's all they are. The pirate monitor. Maybe a little pillaging here and there. It's just interesting that that's how they think of themselves. I mean, that's a humorous bit, but then it's also really how they think of themselves as being good, good folk. Yeah. It's an honest day's living. Yep. Kind of gets back to Jack, how he views himself. It's because they do. Especially what we've seen in Curse of the Black Pearl, they do walk that fine line of things. They do good, they do bad, and they're kind of weaving back and forth across that line. Yeah. And, you know, there's some morality. They have a pirate code of brethren. So it's like we do do... Do do? Do do. We do do some things that are good, and then we do do some things that are bad. (laughs) So, yeah, it's an interesting morality tale. But, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I... Completely, completely forgot, forgot about that. I did. I was on to my treasure pirate history story. So that's all I got then. All about the history and not about the, the characters. Movie. Oh, excuse me. I just brought to you all kinds of character information. <laughs> you don't hear a cool Afro guy or dumpster diver on any other podcast, do you? That's not, only not here. Normally. You only find that here. Those details are the information that matters when you're breaking down a minute in a movie. Yes. Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, to be exact. So we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 9 of Dead Man's Chest. And until then, scallywags, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. And the drinks are flowing. So now you want to have your own little saying at the end. No, I I just feel like I need to add something here and there. Okay, add something. It just seems like blank air, you know, space after you stop. Oh, well, okay. We'll come up with something else then. We don't have to. I'm just... It's too late now. Sometimes we'll come I up just with feel like else. I need something. Okay. You're going to have to put pen to paper and come up with your own little tagline at the end. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Exactly. We're all in for a treat. You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and Season 2 is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, 
Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, SoundCloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean. That's for best of clips. And by all means, give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew listeners group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bildrats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.